Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh my God, you guys, welcome to... I almost said, welcome to podcast. Welcome to podcast. Welcome to welcome podcast. Welcome to podcast. I am Andrea, your host for today. Hello, my name is Brooke Van Poplin. I am also a host. We've di- got, we've discovered this before, but my robot is Irish. <laughs> this is Jocelyn Hughes. Irish. Irish robot. I'm Kyle Dune. Yes. Yeah, and yet you started with a tasty beverage, <laughs> perhaps a plate of mozzarella sticks. Or if you would like, today's special is a plate of rusty coils. Yum. Yum. Yum, yum. Yum. I need batteries. Welcome to the podcast. We all just did uh, robot impressions, uh, side work in the house. You're acting like people didn't know those were awesome robot impressions. Yeah, those were, yeah, like, in case they were wondering what we were doing, it's pretty obvious to me. Uh, if you didn't know that was robot impressions, you were part of the problem. You were part of the you're, are you maybe a robot? That's on you, dude. Right? Bunch of, you know, I, you, just we don't, check mark that little tick box that you're not a robot and fucking prove it to me. Hit that captcha. <laughs> Is this a building? Do you have eyes? Can you pick out a building or a bridge? Can you can you decipher this HJR seven capital G? If J? not, then you might you too be a robot. The worst is when you click um, the audio, so you go like, I can't see this, but say it to me audio, and it'll be like underwater noise, it'll be like, seven, and then it'll be like a like a whooshing sound, like six. It's like a Sesame Street thing. I've never done that. The next time you have a capacho or whatever that you can play the audio for, do it, because it is an auditory experience. Ooh. Oh, God. It's been a week. Let me tell you what. Things are, things are crazy. Everyone's been... Living their life, doing things. We're bleary-eyed, podcasting in the morning. Kyle, how you doing, babe? I'm new good. car. I got a new car, basically because they told me my other car was more expensive to fix than it was worth. Okay. When I took her to CarMax, they you know, went down the list of things, and they were just like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Also, there's some stains that we won't be able to get out of the seats. <laughs> and I was just like, listen, dude. You try and hold a large smoothie when, in one hand and answer your phone in the other hand and still drive. And yeah. they're right? like, but this it's is just like... never going to happen. She's just, she's the casualty. And they were like, this is one thing that we did notice on this car that we've never seen before is that this car has a human heart. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, I had real dreams or delusions of grandeur, I guess, about me being so rich that I could keep her and make her into either a terrarium or like put a put a jacuzzi <laughs> tub like, in her. It's a big put her terrarium. Out to yeah, it's a weird thing. I made the Carmax Fine. people say, you, "My one stipulation is you tell the new owner her name is Joni." 
Aw, a new owner? I think she'll Uh-oh. get a new owner. Yeah, Can I tell she's... you something kind of sad? Yeah. Is it about Greta? They probably just parted it out. CarMax buys yeah. cars no. and then they sell them for No, parts. I don't believe it. It's okay. not what happened to she's Joan. She's scattered across the country now, Kyle. That means she can live in multiple cars. Yeah, she's like she's a donor. donor. She's a donor. Yes. So feel better about that. Okay. Because her engine was still good, but her frame was Some bad. poor little boy can <laughs> yeah, see now because of her. That's why they I kept, basically take I kept trying, car. like, like it was taking my dog to the vet. I just kept being like, we're just stopping in. We're just oh. going to... Oh, We're Joni. just going to stop by, Joni. And then when they asked me if I had anything else to get out of her, I was just like, I can't. Yeah, but then you saw your new ride and you're like, Joni who? Yeah, I was. Well, my new ride's <laughs> name is Maxine Blue Waters. Okay, got it. She's blue. Yeah. And and she's Maxine Walter, wa- wa- Waters. Waters. Yeah. Politician yeah. Maxine She's reclaiming Waters. these yeah. streets. Great. Yeah. Hell yeah. I've thought about it um, for two years. <laughs> calling that feels a new great. Car that. Yeah. It feels great. It I'm does. proud of you. It's a weird thing to not feel the earth beneath you at every moment. <laughs> Just right, scraping right. along. Like I Fred always have like like, Yeah, I was yeah. going to say you're inches away from Flintstone. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is also a really fun uh, sex position. Yeah, Flintstone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when you're, you just, Mom, you just run Dad's your. in the room and you it's just, creeping you me out. You smack your feet all over <laughs> his face while it's Mom. happening inside you. It's kind of like wheelbarrowing somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mom, that'd be right. Them. Mom, it's so weird when you and your sisters talk about sex around me. And then he, he while he's pounding you, you just oh, yell, God. bam, Mom. bam. Oh, boy. <laughs> Boy, she's back, everyone. She's awake. She's awake. Andrea's locked in. All right, we got some server submitted stories in the house. Okay, so, oh, this is cool. This one is from Nicole at Nicole Ricky. Currently listening to episode 16. I'm a restaurant AGM in Edinburgh, Scotland. During August, Edinburgh hosts the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, I think Fringe Festival, a comedy and arts festival for the month during which over 2 million tickets are sold for shows. We can attest to this as being comedians who have friends who go over there. It's a crazy town. So to go on. This year, I've been told we're hosting a breakfast kids show, parentheses, probably some crap magic or something, from 1030 in the morning. Shows usually start around midday, and staff are all hungover or still drunk from the night before, as it's the only time of year the city stays awake past 1 a.m. Bars are open until 5 a.m. for the month, and staff gets cheap bev. That was all another parenthetical. We have two high chairs, and no, we don't have a kid's menu. Wish me luck. This might be the year I lose it completely. Your podcasts have been getting me through the past couple weeks. Thoroughly enjoying listening to you folks. Love what you're doing. Oh, my God. Episode 16, I had to look it up. That's our kids episode, FYI. Totally. We had Jen Kirkman on that one. Um, oh, my God. We're, we're people listening to us in Scotland? People, hello out there. It's my people. I you, mean, my last name is Wallace, and I'd like, yeah. I think that I'm a, I have a strong connection with uh, you. to the Scottish people. Well, she's wearing a kilt, and uh, and she has, a, a hat with a morning paper on it. Wait, this, no? is just, this is what I wear every day. <laughs> That's guys. Irish. Yeah. Oh, man. Wrong, wrong island. Um, That's a shitstorm on top of a shitstorm. With a turd cherry on top of it. Well, do any of you guys know anything about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Do you have friends who've ever gone? Or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a situation where it is trial by fire. All of these one man and one woman shows 
short plays and stand-up comedians all descend upon the city and any little corner of the city that you can put up a show and put a light on somebody. It's just performance for a month. And so you have to stand out from the crowd. And what I've heard from my friends who've gone and done it is like the Scots are just like, if they don't like what you're doing, first of all, everyone's trashed and they will do shit like literally storm out of the theater, but not without walking on your stage in front of you, kind of being like, boo, <laughs> and oh, then out the door. It. Well, this also has to be a time in Edinburgh where like you're making a good portion of your yearly income is probably this festival really, really oh, I'm sure. spikes that. We feel you. We wish you luck, Nicole. Be strong. They're just kids. They can't hurt you. <laughs> Unless they're ghosts. And when kids. they bite, they can't bite too hard. <laughs> then they can haunt and Maybe they came up for the catacombs from that there for that magic show. Next story is from Randa Wilso. Yesterday I was working at a bar when one of my male regulars came in and asked me if I had lost weight. Regardless mm -mm. of how inappropriate that is, he carried on the conversation by pointing out all the areas on my body that look skinnier. Oh, my God. After about five minutes of this, I thought it was over and I could carry on without being objectified, but oh, no. As I walked by his table, halfway through his meal, he turned to his buddy and I overheard him say, See? Look at her. Doesn't she look skinnier? One small positive, his friend called him out for making me uncomfortable. Hashtag server life. Hashtag wish I wore a Harvey girl uniform. <laughs> uh, I feel like in that moment you're allowed to punch slip poison into his drink. Uh, I have <laughs> been. No one is it considered self-defense. too far? <laughs> it's something I think about everybody who's listening. Uh, commenting on this. someone's body in any way. It's not a good idea. Just leave them alone. Keep it to yourself. Let's take a minute real quick to all talk about anytime someone has without, uh, like, unwarranted talking about your body, about anyone's body, it's just insane. Do not do it. Your server, like, oh, my God. I don't, you guys weren't doing stand-up yet, I don't think, but this comedian in the community, instead of doing his bits, he used to bully me from stage, and he would talk about my body during his comedy set and it'd just be like doesn't she look great everybody like she's gotten really skinny lately like what's going on Brooke and like I started screaming at him from the audience and this was the first of many times I've had to defend myself while on a show from the audience against the male comedian on the microphone I was maybe only a few months into comedy but he would just talk about my body instead of doing comedy and it was so crazy and disrespectful and and you're and just sitting there I mean, feeling bullied and you're yeah. one of two comedians who are females in that whole room of men that's way over the top but <sighs> but truly what she's saying the the gal who wrote in it's like ask if you were you lost weight that's inappropriate you just I mean people have disordered eating people have issues just Tell them they look fine. They look Even, good. Well, and then this also, this is because, like, they're regulars. They think they can, like, cross this line, too. Which of is, course. Right. Oh, super which is disgusting. Shitty. They're going, like, see, I know you. I pay attention. You're like, that's not paying attention. That means you're ogling my body that you notice different measurements. That's disgusting. I had, I did lose a lot of weight on one job because the hustle's, like, amazing, you know? And I remember my pants were getting, like, looser, and I was looking a little more trim in my top. Great. Because that's what people are fucking programmed in their brain to yep. say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, most people don't mean it to be offensive or whatever, but try to be conscious of, of well, what's you have to coming out of your mouth. Yeah, you gotta... It, it's like, be conscious. Right. You know? Be have conscious. some sort of, like, wherewithal. And I think that also is, like, 
with having ownership of what else somebody else's vision of what they look like. Also, it's like you you look like you've lost weight is always a good thing, right? It's, exactly, it's praised. It's like, let's stop with that in, entirely. I mean, Tess Holiday is like an incredible. Uh, plus size model and she was just on the cover of nylon mm-hmm. and it was like this amazing she looks amazing yeah, she's so pretty gorgeous and it's not without the backlash mm-hmm. and oh, it's people so hate her. people hate her audacity hate her. to exist yeah and she works out all the time she's a she's a healthy amazing mom and like i don't know it's just uh like we we need to st- i'd rather look at a Real body with a real personality any day. Dude, I'm totally fat and fit. Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fat fit person. And that's just, people are idiots. People Andrea are idiots. works out all, Andrea works out. You work out more than I do. You work she out all the time. Every time I call you, you're like, I just went up a mountain. <laughs> I like it. But I will say. And then I carried Indy back down. <laughs> but even like saying like the topic of being like fat and fit or whatever, it's probably been until this year where you were like. Can I do a bikini? I fucking bought a bikini. Then you oh. bought a bikini, and you're looking, you look fucking incredible in it. I know. Thank I'm you. already pressuring Thank you to you. buy Thanks. another. I'm still like, yeah, a little. <laughs> but it's also just like you look great. Thank you. Where did you get that bikini, by the, the way? The top is from Old Navy. Oh, oh, yeah. Hot tip. There's okay. and there's a little wire in it. The support is great. And then I just picked up. City Chic. Oh. Torrid owns them. It's kind of like a little higher end oh, nice. line. They have some real cute stuff. Their suits are real cute. I've been wearing their suits for a few years, actually. Who Also, who makes that wonderful dress that you got that, at that sample sale? I feel like that's... Oh, weird. fuck. Jabri. Jabri. She's out of Atlanta, and she's just like a boutique yeah. plus-size designer, and her clothes are magic. I want to get married again so I can like <laughs> wear one of her one Also, of her Shop K's is a really great one. My friend... Um, Owns a shop in New Orleans, and she's got an entire. She calls her line "thick and juicy." Oh, girl! And it's she makes. Great oh, and they stuff. sent you a little bit of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, that's but awesome. They also, I mean, geez, Louise, I'm always like, yes, queen. Well, everybody, this bonding and lifting one another up is just the perfect segue into today's topic, which is a restaurant friendships, which I think is. Just at first, I was like looking at the, the topic, best part. and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is what makes or breaks your experience working yeah. in a restaurant in so many ways." Yeah, can we, off the top of our head, uh, name a a lifelong bestie from a restaurant that we still Deb Steele? What up no. from Tampa, Florida? Still my best friend. Um, Allison Calhoun and I are still buds, and we work together at Stand. And actually, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, you, Brooke and I for sure, but my buddy Mike Langley, who lives Mm -hmm. in Seattle, still good, good friends. We've we've gone on vacations together. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would say, like, having James Dunn as, like, a really good friend, like, working with him, I think, cemented a layer of our friendship that that improv just wasn't doing for us uh, because we got so much QT together and also... Our friend Matt Stuckey, who we got to have him on at some point. He's so great. But I love that someone like this has remained a good friend outside of the restaurant jobs. We're like all the way across the country and like still hanging out and you're celebrating each other's lives. But like, dude, it's the best. So I want to talk about, okay, so let's picture this. You're the new hire at the job. How is your attitude kind of when you first walk in, when you're sussing out the other coworkers? Well, it's nervous. I mean, when I've... 
so I met Deb at House of Blues in 2004, and I was hired as like this daytime bartender. You guys have heard my tales of the oh, Jerry yeah. Springer people. The Jerry's. You're going to get the Jerry's. You're going to get the Jerry's. But Deb had wanted to bartend, and I got hired over her being bumped up. So she was really cold to me for a while. I mean, she finally broke. We were at a party one night, and it was just like floodgates open, total of fun, whatever. But um, it's 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 hard because you don't know the politics. So you're walking mm-hmm. in, you're walking in, going like, I didn't realize I had taken somebody's job that they wanted. I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this. Or like, or like maybe someone they loved was fired, and exactly. you're the replacement. You don't know how the managers are. The managers' house of blues were wildly different. We had this like super strict, crazy lady, and then like the <laughs> most fun, nice dude <laughs> who was like the chillest ever. And then there was a third guy that called me a cunt and got fired. But oh, nice. Yeah. That's also a, a no-no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad one. It was because I, I sat down on a stool he wanted to sit on. He called me a cunt. Oh, oh dear. Reported. Good. Yeah. Documented. Because I was like, that's some deep down weird shit if that's coming out. I feel like it's who whoever trains you, right? Who's training you? Who are you, who you, who you shadowing? Yeah, they kind of give you, it's like a big brother or a big sister. Yeah. Or they're not. Or they're yeah. like shitty. It's either one or the other. Yeah. And then maybe you have a different person that trains you and then that person you're like, oh, you're you're incredible. Now it's we're, like, yeah. It's like the movie training day for some people where they're like, all right, here's the part where we openly smoke crack. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you. how about you do all my side work while I go smoke crack? Exactly. I think it's more what it is. <laughs> But I think it's so funny you run down the line who's ever training you was like, oh, this is stinky Nikki right here. <laughs> like introducing the whole gang to you. She put out the line. Uh, this is Samantha. She's she's she might have sex with a lot of people. Uh like oh, and you just kind of get the lowdown and all. Yeah. Like a like a like in Goodfellas. It's one long shot. Yep. You yeah. know, introducing all the characters <laughs> in the restaurant. It's so funny. And I, I feel like when I've been the new person, you kind of walk in with this, like, you're nervous, but then you also, it's like a little bit like prison where you're like, I'm not here to make friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I'm going to big dog somebody, like, I'm first cut, you know? Like, you stab someone first so they know who's in charge. You're like, alpha. who's the coolest person here? Who's the coolest person? Right. Here? Well, so have you ever had that situation where someone immediately wants to be your friend and you're like, is this the server everyone hates? Well, that's just life. Right. I'm well, like, I know. That I did know. happen to What's me. What's going on here? <laughs> like, a couple of one times. Yeah. A little too aggressive. You're like, what's the reason? Why? You do that. Right. Much. You're like, they're building much. an alliance because they've been you know, ostracized by the other co-workers. So you, I think that's a tip. Be a little suspicious of the yeah. person who comes on too strong at the restaurant. Watch They're, a couple episodes of Survivor. You'll get the hang of it. There mm. we go. Or or the bonding really happens, too. Like, if they're not sure how they feel about you and say you all just got slammed together and you were excellent at your job and also did something good for them and, like, helped them get out of a situation, then the bonds start to form, the wheel turns, like, this might be a good war partner. This might be my war buddy here, you yeah, know? you start to build up those karma points. Absolutely. You know, because you were talking about, like, your lifelong friendship with Tice, and where it's like, how many Tice. how many espressos did you guys make for each other to save oh, your yeah. ass, you we know? we had each other's back so hard. Tice is going to move here, I think, at some point. Oh, so that's exciting. Does we'll he listen? Him on. Um, I think so. Great. Well, hi, Tice, if you're listening. Spring Street Natural in New York City. Hell, I think it's almost like, yeah. did you have you cried at the end of your shift, your first shift? Then you're fine. You can stay. You know. Like, oh. oh, she didn't cry. So, oh, she's, right. We have. She has our respect. 
Right. Yeah. Yep. She didn't have like a meltdown. It's also she, annoying to train somebody. So that's hard. I mean, it depends on the person. You right. know, Renee was in yeah. here. She was all about training. But me, I was like, well, fuck. I was Every always, table I have to be like, and this was, is Andrea. She's going to be my shadow tonight. So if you have any questions, you can ask her as well. And then when you're the tra- being trained, you're like, hi, I'm the silent, smiling toad. And if you don't have, if you're, if where you work doesn't have a policy intact of like, this Paying is how much you extra. make, you feel like you're indebted, like mm-hmm. you should pay the person you're training sometimes. No fucking way. Oh, I always pay, I always tipped them out if they help what? me. That's, yeah. that, and that's, that's you, kind. and that's what makes you wonderful. Well, in California, they're required to make minimum wage for any training shift if yeah. they're on the floor. Yeah, you can, you, uh, Alan was on the show, and I hadn't had this happen to me before, but it, you can train one day, and you walk out with a paycheck cut right then. Yes. Uh, just in case they never want to see your face uh-huh. again. different, and I know this is going like off topic with training, but, you know, there's they sh- there's nights where they shadow you, but then there's a night where you shadow them. Mm-hmm. The oh, final. Yeah. That's the best night, because then you don't do any work, and you make them do all your work. That's my favorite night ah, to train. Is ah. the, oh, yeah, she's got to take a section. All right, I'll hang back, and I'll watch you fly. Yeah. The dude who trained me at House of Blues, crashing. Jonathan, who's like the head trainer dude, he went and opened the Atlantic City one. Oh, bless his heart. So then I went to visit him in Atlantic City and saw 311. This was, <laughs> this was like 2000... Oh, probably 2017. Uh, Jonathan still really loves 311. How dare you? <laughs> They're part of my life. I know. He was a cool dude. I was That's waiting amazing. for it. And then there dirt. was a dude from Chicago that transferred to Las Vegas and he led us into the... The MGM House of Blues has this like amazing balcony. They have this like really crazy bar, and he like let me and my friends. It's like super VIP when we cool. were in Vegas. We got to go there. Cool. Some perks. Hob fam. Lifelong friends. Fam. The Hob fam. <laughs> Lifelong friend. I see, and I love that. Which leads me to ask you guys: So, why is a restaurant friendship different from the other friendships you come across in life? Because no one understands you but your restaurant friends. Yep. Because you trauma bond, because you go through shit and you have really hard times and you help each other and you bond as a result. It's like when there's like a catastrophe and your neighbor comes over and puts your house off and puts the fire on your house out. You're like, okay, we're buds now. You got my back. You're solid. Yeah, it's like you're all tossed into a fucking escape room every night. (laughs) But you also, the other reason is because you have so much fun and you find ways to laugh and you find ways to fuck with each other. And there's weird inside jokes that happen. And yeah. It's super fast paced. Stuff is happening so quickly and it's just like, yeah, you find ways to have so much fun. You know? Absolutely. You've got a common enemy, Mm -hmm. which is the The assholes. The asshole customers, not all or, the customers, but or the, the dick or the owner, chef, right. yeah. or the yeah, or the racist owner, mm-hmm. or like the um, or the shit can manager. <laughs> My favorite nights are when everything's going splendidly. You're busy, but there's some weird fucking inside joke runner all night long. So whenever you guys check in on the station, like, and the whole staff is in on it together, and you just make weird, dumb jokes all night, and this could go also could go on for a fucking week or a month. This yeah. same stupid joke over and over and over again. But you just die laughing, and everybody gets their job done, and everybody's happy, and there's, like, that's it. It's the best feeling, because you're, like, without humor, waiting tables is a 
real slog. <laughs> yeah. You oh, yeah. have to find the funny person. If you're a funny jokester, like I would always seek out the person who's like, trying to kid around. Or a person yeah. with like just like a lot of life in them. Totally. You know? And you know when somebody's not a good fit, when they're like, we had this one guy who will remain nameless. <laughs> I did see on Facebook. He loves Trump. He um we pulled tips for a while at this one place that we worked and he was slipping them into his sock. But he was his whole vibe was off. He didn't yes. get the jokes. He didn't get helping anybody else. He was such a sore thumb because it was like, yeah, this guy doesn't get it. This isn't he isn't part of the team. I have a question. Have, have any of you had a restaurant job where you could not fit in? I know, Jocelyn, that's uh, that was my last one. Your last one. Two boots. Fired. Fired. Shut down. R.I.P. that restaurant. I had a lot of trouble at Sullivan Steakhouse. No one was my ally. No one was my friend. I had friends there that worked there Mm -hmm. at the time, but the management didn't think I was nice enough to the drunk old people that have now have all died, the the alcoholic (laughs) regulars. Like I wasn't chatty enough, I guess. Um, But the staff was really nice, and Mm -hmm. I stayed in touch with a couple. There's some Instagram follows in there. For sure. Good for an Instagram follow. Yeah. I guess the quarter deck for me, just because I was like, like the girl who was home from college in New York, and oh. they all lived in Fort Lauderdale, and that was their job, and they were all like ten years older than me. I was really young when I worked there, so ah, so there was a level of bitterness settling into their persona and DNA yeah. permanently. Yes. Like I don't even think I could, I was old enough to drink. So, oh yeah, so then yeah, they're hating on you for several reasons. Yeah. For me, it was this place called Charlie's on the Lake in Omaha that was known for seafood, you know, lake seafood. Um, well, no, no. It's like all it white called Charlie's fish. On the lake, and it was, they did they did seafood, but it was a lot of like covered in butter and cheese and au gratin-y things mm-hmm. and huge fucking martinis, like chocolate, key lime martinis. And then and their cheesecake. It was one, of, but it was one of those places where you really had to work your way up to the dinner shift. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite there. And lunch was like meh, weird. And it was also one of those places where all the stations are just so far away from each other. Mm-hmm. Same Wishbone in Chicago was the same fucking way, and I did not fit in there. I didn't fit in in Wishbone either, because um, <laughs> I kept being audibly like, "This place is fucked up and right. doesn't make sense." And we have a person we know in common who I worked with there, mm-hmm. who was just a not a very nice person to me to work like, with. Like I tried to fit in. Like she made a kids in the hall quote, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna be." This is great. This is like an in to bond. And I like made a quote back to her and she looked at me like I was a piece of garbage and goes, and like walked away from me. I made friends with a waiter friend because uh, we both knew a Tom Green sketch. I loosely call it a sketch. But we started doing Tom Green. um, And I don't eat children. That woman that he just followed for a while. He was like, and he starts singing. I think that's why you and I are friends, too, because we used to fucking crack up about that. Tom Green is so underrated. So those are like instances when you're on the outs and you're just like, this job sucks and you end up probably not lasting super long because it it really stinks to be like shit on by customers, be cold shouldered by your fellow employees. And you're like, I got to go find my tribe somewhere else. And then I've had the jobs where it is, we are such good friends, all of us, that it's dysfunctional. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally dysfunctional. And I can 100% name like three jobs like that. Oh, yeah. When Brooke and I worked at Bad Dog and we would work brunch Saturday, either Saturday or Sunday brunch because we did both. We worked with our friend Ian Miller and nobody would sit 
inside and we would fucking blast music so loud and we would, we would like dance in the windows while there was a full restaurant outside. Right. Because they didn't know what was happening indoors because nobody wanted our section. Yeah. And we, we would literally be like, we would just be like bouncing off the walls and we'd go outside and it'd be like, mm, and game face. And like- yep. My favorite thing, too, is, like, because I lived for making Andrea laugh, uh, didn't care the cost uh, of my job or what it did to a customer, but if I could make Andrea laugh, it was worth it. But So I would do shit, like, I would do roll-ups. This is my favorite thing. This is my favorite thing in the world. So we would do black cloth napkin roll-ups, and I, like, every tenth one (laughs) would put just, like, five knives and nothing else. That's a fun one. And, or if there were like, just a, like a tiny bottle of Tabasco and just other random shit. And then you would wait all night and then you would hear someone unroll their roll up and be like, clank, 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 clank. And I did these ro- roll up bombs that were so fucking funny to me. And then this idiot sitting on the patio one day was just one of those people with a sun hat that's too big, you know, and you're like, mm. here comes trouble. And she was just like, wouldn't look at the menu. It was like, well, I was just like, just make me something interesting to drink. Yeah. And so I was like, you asked for it, lady. We and so- were, we put a steak knife. Uh, we put like uh, fourteen <laughs> things in it, a bottle of Tabasco, like eighteen lemons, and then had a fork positioned up that held an entire pack of matches that we then like would we light on fire. fire. <laughs> How'd she take it? We were, oh, it was just for us. We were like, interesting. Yeah. How's your interesting drink? One of my favorite insiders too is we had uh, this generic pledge called Behold. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? Dust with? It was like, like dusting for- spray, like oh, pledge oh, spray. Oh. And it was called Behold. Behold. And so Brooke and I would, anytime we'd spray it, we'd like, and then magically the <laughs> shitty old chair becomes an antique dresser. <laughs> Behold! Behold the value before unseen. Oh. Like, I thought it was an old cardboard box. <laughs> Behold, it's a chest of drawers. <laughs> so it's okay. We are just working on our comedy inside the whole shift, but uh, it makes the job it. tolerable. My job, we all have um, nicknames for each other, and we have one, this guy, Jason, who is, oh, he's just the best. But we all call him Grandpa. Grandpa. And Grandpa is, he's Russian. He's actually legitimately Russian. <laughs> And so the potato famine happens often at the um, pass. Uh, we just, it's its constantly like just old school, like um, Great Depression dro- jokes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know. We're a bunch of we history nerds. We only turnips. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, me, Ross, Jason, Andrew, Jake. Oh, God. And you're really close with Ross, too. Yeah, Ross is the best. Which I want to schedule him also, to, Ross, so you can interview him. This is very exciting. Ross got a really good job. Can you say what it is? Yes, I can. He is working on, I'll give you the exact. So first of all, Ross's was an actor. We met at the restaurant that we we worked at. He's also a sommelier. And he um, left uh, the entertainment industry to um, work in politics to because he believed so heavily in us changing this country around. And recently... He's going to go work on nationwide infrastructure and job creation for a an awesome organization called Accelerator for America. Hell yeah, and Ross. Yeah, he's the shit, and I'm just so proud of him, and I can't wait to like just burn our aprons in the street together. <laughs>
what I think is also cool about restaurant jobs, the friends you make are also like, there's a chance they can be 10 years older than you and remain your friend or mm-hmm. they might be a culture that you... Oh, yeah. Like, I'm older than all of them. You're older than all of them right now <laughs> or like me having like my first like, you know, because the staff in a lot of kitchens I worked at are Mexican and, and you're just like, wow, like this is not my usual social circle and you're kind of like, I'm meeting people of different cultures. When I worked in a restaurant with all Middle Eastern coworkers, I loved them. They would take me to like Lebanese... Uh, like dance hall sort of parties in Detroit where it's an all night feast with like a live crazy like Arabic music like synth band and a handsome man in front just ah, ah, and like the whole family comes like the culture is so different you bring every generation so grandma and grandpa are there the children are there you stay up till three in the morning and you're just eating and everyone knows every dance move that's like culturally reflective and I got invited to this shit because I was a down ass coworker friend and I would have never seen this stuff yeah Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm so midwestern we don't do shit And I loved it. It was really, really eye-opening. When I first moved to Chicago and got the the Buka de Beppo job there, because I transferred from the one in Omaha, made awesome friends also at the Omaha one. I met um, transferred because it was corporate. They let me transfer, and I had a job, like a job that I just stepped into. Wow, it was was amazing. So Kate Ross and uh, <laughs> Selena Brock were like my girls. Hey, They're my girls. And Selena just moved from L.A. And then Kate was from Iowa City. I'm so sorry. Ames, Iowa. Sorry, Kate. She'd be like, what the fuck? I'm a cyclone. Um, but we ran all over the city together. I just moved to Chicago. And I was like, we like ran and we went to Wicker Park. We saw live music. We got It was a really, really fun time. Like, music was really fun then. I just remember really discovering who I was, what I was into. I met you around the Mm -hmm. same time. I was, like, heavy in doing, like, comedy and improv. So it was great. It was awesome. And I I think that leads us to the hanging out with your restaurant coworkers the first time you get invited to either a house party Mm. or the bar after hang. (laughs) And to me, walking in and to see all the line cooks showered, and in civilian clothing and being like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even recognize you because we all exist in this space of our disgusting uniforms that, you know, take your personality away and you're angry, you're focused, you're whatever. And I remember the first couple of times being so tripped out that we were actual real humans. I feel like you still have your guard up when yeah, you sure. go and hang out, when well, you hang out for the first time. Of course. And because we've already touched on this in earlier episodes, yeah, everyone is going to try and fuck you within like another hour, depending on how much drugs and alcohol. Well, and a lot of your conversation is about the restaurant. Totally. I mean, I would say a majority, like a lot of the times when I hang out with my restaurant friends, we have to say, okay, we are allowed a half hour to bitch <laughs> and then we're moving on. And then Which let's is all- a really good rule of thumb. Like once we started doing that, I felt like it was a very healthy and that's why I'm still buds with all of them. But do you guys ever have to do bug night, What's by the way? When you bug bomb? Yeah, when you yeah, bomb the you, restaurant. Oh. And you have to, but you have to like cover all the POS systems. Yes. You have to like, oh, bug night was such a drag, but it was a big thing of camaraderie because you always had to like, and you had, you had to know that the people that you liked working with were on bug night because if you, you did, you were like, okay, we'll get this done in 20 minutes. Yes. And if you weren't, and there are those people who just like couldn't figure out their numbers and they would take 45 minutes upstairs. It was just like this whole thing. It was such com- camaraderie came in bug night. I like that for me, for me, it was like 
roach steroid night, they would only get stronger and angrier after we would bomb the restaurant. <laughs> really? Just like, oh, God. They've got faces now. Oh, my God. At stand 4 a.m., I was like, they've definitely got, like, an underground, like, system going on. <laughs> I was just like, they're everywhere in this restaurant. Also, this guy, um, Greg, Greg Lumen, he's... Um, a dope dude who was a bartender with Floyd at Stan where we worked together. He had keys to the restaurant. So if we'd ever go out and get too drunk, we'd go back to the restaurant. It was so bad. And he would sleep there sometimes. Oh, I slept at my coffee shop. Oh, right. A lot. Because I was like, it's just going to take too long to get to Brooklyn and come back and open this place. I'm going to sleep under my coat. I'm responsible. Yeah. I will say a positive thing about Social media is keeping up with these people. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, well, let's circle back to that in one second. Have Have any of you had a friendship restaurant that started out great, go wrong, and then spectacularly kind of tank your job? Oh. Not yes. tank your job, but or, or, or like let's talk about managers oh. being best friends with one of the servers, and you're like, that motherfucker is like our head server who gets all the best shifts because the manager is being super uncool and playing favorites because they're best friends in real life. But we're all not dumb. We see this. So that's, I mean, that to me is like, that's bad business if you can't be a little bit impartial. But there are no fucking rules in restaurants, really. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no really way to I mean, that's the thing is you're really it. not, there's supposed to be a separation there. In the corporate world, right. there, there's, there's a no HR. fraternizing rule yep. that's it's, it's strict enough. It's loose. Like, my manager, Joni, who I had uh, in Omaha Buka, was fucking awesome. We were buds. Like, I, I'm not going to ring the bell. Okay. I'm ringing Joni's bell right now. Um, she was really, really rad. Um, and she was always like, she had like a group of like five of us. She's like, I'm only hanging out with you guys. I won't hang out with anybody else. Oh, yeah. Which was fun. But yeah, I I do. Th- I had a fucking manager in Chicago at the Buka there. I'm going to ring this one. Yeah, you just said it two times. Um, and she, this was like my downfall of working there. Is like I sat at a table like I was supposed to do, and and I they didn't want to sit in that section. And then when they came back, they were like, "We want to sit at this table." And I, it was in my section. And I was like, "Well, let me ask the host." And it was free, and they sat there. Then it was like oh, this whole conspiracy. This is, this is the Joan Cusack. Story. It was Joan. Yes, it was Joan Cusack who was at the table. And then it turned into this big fucking thing. That it was like I did it on purpose because I wanted to wait on her when I was just doing my job. And I got written up for it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, you were angling because you Oh, because were I myself am an actor and in theater. So it was like I was angling for something, which is what I was told I was doing. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, because. I brought my script. I brought my script and she's going to call Rob Reiner because she has connections. And I'm, I'm now I now I'm in Hollywood. It was it was completely a ridiculous thing. And I probably was a snooty, snobby asshole about it. And at the time, I might have been a little bit of a snooty, snobby snobby asshole <laughs> period because I was I had a lot of seniority um and so and a lot of things were changing in my life anyway like I was already working at bad dog a couple days a week I was kind of checked out then that happened and that was just like okay cool I guess well, this done. is the my downhill thank you for being a friend not Mm-mm. right it was a good well, I'm full not. of them today not, but not. there was, a group, there was a group of friends there and they were all friends and then they they fucking hated me this group of like Ooh. the server who like I took her table and then all the people she were she was friends with there and at her little click there. Oh, they then all decided that they didn't like me at all. And then that's when it gets toxic because if you don't 
bond over outside interests and you only focus on toxic restaurant shit, then of course you're immediately like on the outs. But we also had like, we would have such good friends too, um, where when we would hang out outside of work and the shit would go down at a party, you know, cause we were, we worked with some hard drinking motherfuckers and we made this one girl <laughs> real mad, Julie. Oh. Do you remember the summer Julie went away? She would start the shift at four and would, again, like we mentioned, all these people mentioned people drinking Jaeger out of coffee cups. Like, Gross. what is oh this shit? God. But it is a thing, you know? And so she was just sipping coffee cups of just straight booze. Mm-hmm. She would do this all the time. She would get to the point where, I mean, she was surly, couldn't wait her tables. Yeah. And we sent her home one night, I'm I, pretty I, sure. And this is all becoming, I, this is flooding back in my memory now. So, and because Julie felt like it was a conspiracy, all of us girl bitches, you know, you're supposed to be my friends. And so then she left the shift, continued to get blackout around town, went home, and then we all woke up with voicemails that you have never, it sounded like Satan himself called us. She was like, you fucking snake. <laughs> you oh. sent me home fucking bitches. All yeah. And we all had our own that we shared with each other. We're like, we I got one in. too. We're like, is Julie okay? And I think she lost her job after that pretty quickly or whatever. But that was a real bummer. That was like the the, the summer Julie went down in major flames. And she was amazing. Like before the she would turn that nasty corner. woman. Years later in 2013, and this is us working with Julie in like 2005, I want to say. So 2013, I fly to Austin so that my uh, pansy-ass boyfriend can break up with me uh, in person. He made me fly to Austin to break up with me. Cool. I was trapped there with my flight still, and I was just like, where am I supposed to stay? Because I was supposed to be staying with him, and then we were staying at his parents' house, and while they were watching TV, and we were in his childhood bedroom, cool, hashtag red flags, uh, he was like a snake and broke up with me because he had started dating someone else the month during the month that he'd gone away, ditched me with our apartment that we rented together, all this stuff. So I am just like... You drive me to my friend Paisley's house right now. She's my 67-year-old, old hippie single friend in Austin who lives on a farm and has a shotgun, and I love Paisley, forever indebted. I was like, you drive me to Paisley's right now and never speak to me again. And I was so broken up, walked down the street to the Kirby Lane Diner, which is the amazing diners that are 24 hours all throughout Austin, and I sit at the bar alone, just to, the bar service, not like bar bar, but it's like you can sit at the counter and I'm like looking at a menu, blah, blah, blah. Someone slaps it down and they go, Brooke? And I look up and it's Julie. Aww. And I was like, Julie? When did you fucking move to Austin? Totally lifted my mood. I was so sad and so alone. Julie was there waiting on me. And then she told me her life story. She's like, I got clean years ago. She's like, I haven't had a drop to drink. She's like, I'm in a really healthy relationship. She's like, I'm doing theater again. What? And then like took me out. And then her and her husband took me out for a little bit that I night. got a phone call that night and I got to talk to Julie. Because you I called know. me and you put her on the phone. That's so wonderful. But it was amazing. You're like, life is fucking strange. And it's sometimes it's like only restaurants can sort of reap that kind of, you know, result where you can go anywhere. And it's sort of like this business, like you can move to different cities to work in a more exciting restaurant scene, you know? But anyways, that was, that was a great friendship, longtime friendship coming full circle situation. 
Uh, my friend Allison, who I worked with at Buka in Omaha, she she recently uh, she died recently, and we like knew each other sort of before she got the job there, just with like different mm-hmm. groups of friends in Omaha. But we really bonded um, at Buka because we already knew each other, so we had this instant bond. And we had so much fun working together, and we hung out a lot. And I was I went to her wedding, and we'd always like kept up through the years. But yeah, and I just and she. Like, I feel like nobody really even knew she was sick, and then all of a sudden mm. she was gone, and this was just, like, a few months ago. So it's, uh, you know, it, you have such a special bond and friendship with these people when you wait tables with them that, like, you just don't get anywhere else. I mean, just being a coworker generally, like, you're so much more vulnerable and open, and you're just all trying to do a good job, and, like, you're working toward the same goal. And so she was just like this really great light to have in your life. Like anytime you got to work a shift with her. And I think we all can really relate to those people. So I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Likewise. Friends are great. And that's why you guys are my friends. That's why we're friends. (laughs) Restaurant industry. All right. Here's a tip. It's beach season, everybody. We're hitting hitting that sand and rolling around, getting in the water, coming back out, getting all grubby with wet, gross sand all over ourselves. It No, it makes me so crazy if they're not beach showers or places to rinse off. Like, this is something that drives me fucking bonkers. What you can do, all right, just keep in your car, keep in your beach bag a bottle of baby powder. You just baby powder your arms, your legs, your butt, whatever it is, it soaks all the moisture off and the sand falls off like it's perfectly dry again. And then you smell good and you're dry and you're very, very refreshed. It's a good one. It's a good one. Whoa. That's amazing. Life altering. I promise you. Thanks, Brooke. You're welcome. I love sand, though. <laughs> Especially. <laughs> Hey guys, if you like Sidework Podcast, the best thing you can do is rate and review. Give us some five stars. Give us some comments. Tell us what you like. Thanks for listening.